This is Think Smart with TMFG, your weekly podcast of what's newsworthy and relevant to everyday Canadians. With your host, Senior Financial Advisor Rob McClelland and Mike Conan of Asante Capital Management. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I will be discussing trade-offs between the economy, the markets, and life. Mike, we recently had Easter weekend, and on the Sunday, I got together with some family members, and I quickly realized that life is always about trade-offs. We were, some of us had met earlier to watch the Masters on TV, and of course, we had this wonderful charcuterie board in front of us with all kinds of great options of food to eat. And I didn't eat much for lunch, so I was very hungry. But I also knew that the dinner was coming up, you know, at 6, 6.30. But that charcuterie board, I just couldn't help myself. They're pretty awesome. <laughs> so I feasted. And, and I knew the price that I would pay. There was a trade-off here. Uh, but the food was too good. I couldn't resist. And so I feasted on the board. And of course, then dinner came. And I continued to eat at least one plate, but I was full after that. In fact, I was so full I could barely even eat dessert. But I, again, faced another trade-off. Do I have dessert or not dessert? And it was this beautiful little piece of cheesecake that my sister-in-law... I'm guessing where your trade-off is going. (laughs) So the trade-off is, you know, I ate too much. And then, you know, Monday comes around and I'm supposed to work out and do my walk. And I I did get my walk in, but the workout was rather slow. So, you know, life is always about these trade-offs. Every night, dinner, are are we ordering in or are we going out to a restaurant or are we making something? And then who's making it? What's the trade-off? Are we going to spend the extra money to order in? Or are we going to take the time, the time trade-off to to make the dinner? Yeah. One more Netflix episode before bed, or do you go to bed and get some sleep? Well, exactly. Can, can you stay up for one more because we're really enjoying this yeah. right now? Or could I use that extra 45 minutes of sleep? There's a lot of trade-offs going on in the world today. And I think the biggest one that we're seeing play out in the financial marketplace is these rising interest rates. And so let's go back. We all sort of know the story, but the government bailed out the economy when COVID hit. And they supported all those individuals who were not working, those individuals who lost some hours off of their paycheck, and they were writing checks left, right, and center. And a lot of money flowed into the economy In fact, too much money, a lot of it was wasted. Regardless, the economy got hot and inflation started to come in to the economy. And so the government then faced a trade-off. How do they stop inflation? And the trade-off is they start raising interest rates and what have they done now? Well, inflation is still out there. We're hearing that lineups at food banks are out of control. We're hearing that housing prices have dropped 20%. We've seen a number of corporate layoffs. So governments have to make a decision on that trade-off. Well, I think if raising interest rates only affected inflation, it'd be an easy thing to do. 
but it doesn't only affect inflation. There is a bunch of trade-offs. Once you do raise interest rates, you're going to trade off a bunch of other things that you're going to affect too. I mean, the first thing is going to be the big one is GDP, right? So if you see a GDP that's growing, if you start to raise interest rates, you're going to slow down your country's GDP. And again, that's recessionary, right? So GDP, the gross domestic production of an economy, it's all the goods and services produced. It's sort of, sort of, you know, it's the income statement for, for the country per se. And you typically you want that GDP to be growing two to three percent every year, kind of like the rate of inflation. And if it's growing a little faster than that, even better. It means you've got a really good economy. If it's growing slower than that, it means your economy is not very good. So you, the last thing you want to do is curtail that. And yet governments had a trade-off. Here, here's my favorite one. Uh, do you want to raise next year? Of course I want to raise next year. But do you want inflation? I, I <laughs> but, No, I don't want inflation, <laughs> but I want to raise. This is my, my favorite conundrum you, you walk into here. Everyone wants more money next year, but no one wants to pay any more money. But a big part of your cost is wages. Right, So as soon as you find inflation, wages are a big part of inflation. Everyone wants their wages to go up, but everyone doesn't want to see prices go up. But they're one and one. You know, I want my wage to up. I just don't want anyone else's wage to go up. But that, again, creates one of those big trade-offs you have in the economy. If we've just – and if you look at it, if we, uh, an, an employer has just given out a 5 or 6% inflation increase to their employees – Eventually, that needs to pass on to the end consumer. In other words, the goods they're producing or the service they're providing, they need to raise the prices of those as well so they can afford to pay their employees. And if they didn't, guess what? Your stock price would go down. And they would the, make less income. At the and, end of the day, we want dividends off stocks to be strong. And if they have to pay more, they have to raise their price. It's, it's all related. You know, the other thing you get into is housing costs. We've seen a bit of a softening of housing prices because interest rates have gone down. So our interest rates went up, which has softened, softened the housing costs. Again, low interest rates were great, but we watched the price of houses going in the opposite direction. So again, it's a trade-off. If you have low interest rates, you have high housing costs. If the interest rates go up, the cost of housing will go down. But most people can't afford it because the cost on the mortgage is too high. They got comfortable paying two to three percent. Now they're paying five to six percent or seven percent. That becomes much more difficult. Unfortunately, we've become a debt-based society, which creates a lot of problems in times like this. And when you increase interest rates in a debt-based society, whether it's credit card debt, mortgage debt, or companies with corporate debt, all of that is going to slow the economy down. Another trade-off that governments face is taxes. It's great to increase taxes, but because you're going to bring in more tax revenue, let's tax the rich is always the famous one. We're going to tax the rich. If you do that, what you're going to do is you're going to cut down spending because suddenly if the rich don't have money, they're not going to be spending their riches. They're going to be saving what little extra riches they have. If you're lucky enough for the rich to stay in Canada. Which we've seen. Yep. Lots of people say, it's getting too expensive here. I'm going to go elsewhere. And that's probably more the ultra-rich than anyone else, but it certainly plays a role. What about the markets? Do they face any trade-offs? What's the biggest one that markets always face? Number one rule of investing is risk versus return. 
you know, for them, if you want more return, you have to take more risk. So it's interesting. I had a client in today and they mentioned that they have a number of friends that are investing with this uh, firm in Montreal that invests in commercial mortgages and they get a very high return north of 8% on these commercial mortgages and it's very safe and very secure. And and I had to explain to her again that risk reward thing. Whenever there's a higher reward, there has to be what, Mike? A higher amount of risk. And so what's the risk on a, you know, industrial mortgage? You're 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 loaning money to companies who are developing properties and the properties haven't been built yet. Why is that risky? Well, always think this way. If I was developing a pro- property, who would the first person I go to the loan for? The bank. The bank. Now, if I have to go and pay more, if I can no longer get a loan at 6% of the bank, I have to pay 8 or 9%. That means the bank has turned me down. Why do you think the bank has turned me down? Because they don't think that the reward is worth taking the risk of loaning you the money. And although we, we slag the banks all the time, are they dumb? No. no. The reason our banks are all still here, you know, hundreds of years later in Canada, is because they've managed that risk reward thing. That's why they make getting a mortgage so difficult. They're very good at, at that balance that equation. And when someone, when that doesn't work in their balance and someone has to go outside that, they're definitely going to a more risky situation. Higher return always leads to higher risk. Sometimes the risk isn't obvious, but it's always there. Another trade-off that you face in investing is liquidity versus illiquidity. So what's the difference? A liquid investment is something you can get your hand, your money on in days. So think of it a, you know, cash in the bank or a mutual fund or a stock. You can literally sell that thing today and have that money deposited in your bank account before the end of the week. Buy a house, that's an illiquid investment. Buy a private company, that's an illiquid investment. You need to be rewarded for that with what? Extra return. You need an extra return because there's a price to liquidity. And it's hard to determine what that price is. You can't sort of say it's 1% or 2%, but there always is a price to something being more liquid. It gives you more flexibility. Buying a stock versus a bond. Um, The stock can go to zero. Rarely does the bond go to zero. The stock will historically give you a higher return, but more volatility, more ups and downs. The bond will give you a lower return with less ups and downs. We've also seen things in complicated investments that come out. And they're interesting when you find uh, you have some type of fund that has some guarantees attached to it based on some indexes and all this other stuff that's built into how this fund works. It's part GIC, part uh, part investment. But whenever you get into these extra complexities in investments, there's a cost to pay. There always is. You, basically, the world of stocks and bonds. If you want to make anything more uh, more complicated than that, someone's going to want to pay, take some money for making it more complicated because someone has to invent all these derivative type instruments, whatever it is, someone has to go and develop that and they're not going to do it for free. Stock options, puts, calls, all of these things come at a cost. The more complex, the less the profit 
that's there because someone's got to make money on that transaction, on providing whether it's in, you know, portfolio insurance or whatever you want to call it, there's a cost involved. Even in, when we talk about this a lot, even in the markets and investing, there's active investing versus passive. If you're investing passively, you're buying index funds and things like that, you're sort of, you're going to capture the market return less fees. If you go with an active approach, you may actually beat the market over a short period of time. But there's a risk and there's a trade-off. You may not. You may <laughs> dramatically underperform the market over a short period of time. And that isn't a lot of fun for investors. What about saving versus spending, Mike? Oh, it's it's hard to save and it's easy to spend money. You know, uh, when you go look at it, uh, I always look at investing. There's a there's you right now, and there's the future you. So when you spend money, you're spending on you. If you go and buy a, you know, uh, I buy guitars, as you know. Everyone I buy has golf their, clubs. You buy golf clubs. We go and you buy, and you're going to use that in the next week or two. But then when you actually save money, you're going to put money away to spend on your future. So there's a real big difference investing in the you now and the future you. And you have to put some money in the future you. You know, I had a big speech with my son on that on, on the weekend. I said, you have to go and uh, we talked about when you make money and when you put money away. And, you know, I said, you got to maximize your TFSAs. You got to put in there. And he's in university, but I said, you still, when you're working, save some money, put into your TFSAs, and that's for your future. And you can spend some money, enjoy life, but you got to make sure even at this point, you're putting some away for the future self. It's interesting. I have the discussion, had the discussion with my son. He needed to make a relatively big purchase and he wanted to sell some of his investments. And I just said, you know, I'm his financial advisor. And I said, no, I said, you do not make a lifestyle purchase and use your savings. That's not what it's for. It's for, as you said, the future you. Because once you break, once you get into that habit, it becomes really easy to take from your investments to go on your next trip. You know, we've done podcasts on this before of people who are really great savers and they all of a sudden become not great savers. And the trick is they're, they do do that saving mentality. And once they break it once, it becomes easy to break again. And they start breaking it all the time. And they're great savers up to age, maybe 40 years old. And all of a sudden they'll start to spend money like crazy and don't save anymore. And the thing is they broke that habit. Housing. Housing's always an interesting one. It's full of trade-offs. Uh, what location are you buying in? You know, is it, is it a quiet street? You'll pay more. If it's on a busy street, you'll pay less, but it's a busy street. Yeah. If, if it's a quiet street, there's a better chance of having neighbors that you get to know. On a busy street, I can tell you, I live on a fairly busy street. You don't get to know your neighbors very well. And so it's always a trade-off. Yeah, size of houses, you know, sometimes people don't realize the size of your house is very much related to the expenses. If you have a 4,000 square foot house and you go to do your roof, it's going to be twice the amount of someone with a 2,000 square foot house. If you go to paint your house, it's going to be twice the amount. If you go to redo your kitchen, it's going to be twice the amount. So people don't put that together. Sometimes they think, well, you know, my house maintenance is going to be X amount a year. No, it's directly related to the size and type of house you bought. It's interesting. We've had some friends that, you know, they go through this period where they 
the kids are in their teens and that the house seems relatively small for the people. So they decide to, to build a monster house to handle their family. And five years later, they look around and all their kids have moved out of the house, moved across the country, and they're sitting in this big house. And now they got too much house and not enough people in it. And the same thing happens with cottages all the time. They build too much cottage. Or you even find verse, old versus new houses. When people were looking at buying an old versus new house, of course, when you get old house, you get a nice piece of property and you get a bit more land than the new house they built right next to each other. But you look at them and all the windows need replacing. You look at all, all the side needs replacing. You look at the backyard needs work. All the landscaping needs work. So, you know, you might think, well, I'm going to get a little bit extra by buying a 30-year-old house. But you don't really realize what you're walking into. Travel versus no travel. Lots of people are back traveling, and there's a lot of people not traveling yet. It was interesting. We were, uh, I was at the St. Lawrence Market on uh, Saturday, and it was very busy. It was uh, just before Easter, and about 25% of the people there were wearing masks. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. I, I haven't seen people wearing masks at all. And and I literally came home and told my wife the story. And she said her and her sister had just made the same observation with, when they had been doing grocery shopping. And we said, well, you know, is there a pandemic that we don't know about? Has it restarted or something? It turns out it hadn't. But there's a lot of people because of COVID and whatever that haven't started to travel. And there's always trade-offs, you know, or... Uh, how far away are you going to go? Are you going to go on an overnight? Do you want to go to Europe? Well, that's eight hours, seven hours by, by plane. That's a long flight. And then you got time change issues. Life is full of trade-offs. Travel is full of trade-offs. Just travel on its own. And whether, whether you're going to Pearson or whether you're going down to, to Billy Bishop Airport, that's a trade-off. You know Pearson, you got to get there three hours early. You know Billy Bishop, you can get there an hour earlier. Yeah. But for us who live in the north, going down to Billy Bishop's... It's a few hour drive. <laughs> it's, a, it's at least an hour drive. Yep. So anyways, lots of trade-offs. To our audience, what are some of the trade-offs that you're facing these days? What are some of the things that you're having to make a decision on, both short-term and long-term? We'd love it with your feedback. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. If you're looking for a financial advisor, Visit our website at tmfg.ca or call us at 905-771-5200. This episode has been brought to you by the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. You've been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances.
The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.